Our reading is taken from Luke 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. Indeed, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Kathy, you may be seated. Some of you know that part of a pastor's training may be to work as a chaplain, either in a hospital or a long-term care facility or community setting. I did my training at Fairview Southdale Hospital, and then I liked it so much, I worked at Methodist for a year. One week, I met an elderly man who was dying from cancer. At that point in his hospital stay, he was desperate to talk to someone about the things he regretted in his life, his doubts about God, his hopes to seek forgiveness and to mend relationships with his family before dying. We visited many times that week, and I began to feel as though I was pretty integral to this uh, family's story of healing. When news reached his family that his condition had worsened and that he would not be leaving the hospital, several of his children came and began taking turns keeping vigil. Time after time, unwilling to be discouraged, I knocked on their hospital room door, hoping to open up communication with his family, hoping to help facilitate the healing that I knew the father desired. But my attempts were met with anger and bitterness. One time, I was all but kicked out of the father's room unwelcome. 
When the father died without reconciling with his family, at least as far as I knew, I agonized about it for days. So much for kicking off the dust that clung to my feet. In retrospect, I can reflect now that I had recognized the urgency of the need, like a laborer might recognize the urgency of working during harvest time. But I had elevated my own role in the matter. I was not the one in charge of how this family would or would not respond to a word of peace. Hard lessons are part of becoming a good pastor. So when the 72 apostles return from their missions with exuberance, patting themselves on the back and recounting tales of how they had made even the demons submit to them, Jesus interrupts their celebrating with a hard lesson for them too. Do not rejoice because you have gifts and can perform deeds of power, he says, but rejoice instead in the works of the Holy Spirit. My reading, a bit tongue-in-cheek, has Jesus reminding his returning apostles, it's not all about you. Or as one commentator put it, get off your high horse and get into the water. All I asked you to do was to sit down at the dinner table and speak peace to those who are feeding you. Once the apostles came down to earth a bit, I wonder if they felt a kind of freedom in his words. I do. Because it's freeing, I think, to know that we don't have all the answers, that the seemingly intractable problems in our world aren't ours to fix on our own. It's freeing to know that the burden of reconciling relationships and making this world a better place doesn't rest solely on our shoulders. It's freeing to know that the source, the wellspring of the peace and gifts we do have have to offer the world, whether they are accepted or not, is not us, but God. God is the source. We are the messengers. So Jesus sends the apostles, the 72, out into the world And though we might wonder a bit about his command that they travel exceedingly light, he does send them out with the most important carry-on bag, his word of peace to be shared. As I was studying this passage, I learned that this may be the same greeting that King David's servants once extended to foreigners, Peace be to you, and peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. It was a greeting that in Jewish contexts would have declared God's presence in the here and now, in the moment, and God's purpose of well-being and wholeness and restoration. A blessing 
a simple gift of God's good news. We might use different words today, but the simple gift has not changed. We access the same simple gift the 72 were sent out with so long ago. Despite all our advances in things like medicine and psychiatry, technology and communications, when we reach people, when we really reach people, we do so in the same simple way, with love and kindness, with a message of peace, perhaps in the sharing of a meal, or the sharing of gifts that are special to us. For some of us, it's hard to celebrate this 4th of July holiday when the nation seems so beset by bitter conflict and violence, when stark inequities in how people experience freedom in this country are so apparent. But I do glimpse a measure of true freedom in our text today, and that is that what Jesus offered his followers as they were sent into an equally complicated and divisive world is the same thing he sends us out with today. Our identities as children of God, our names written in the heavens, access to the peace that surpasses all understanding. The simplicity of it is almost counterintuitive. That our most basic freedom is to bring our own identities and God's peace into the world every day and to share it and to know that whatever the outcome, it returns to us. Whatever the outcome, the reign of God remains near. Whatever the outcome, we are held in a love that isn't dependent on us and yet is available, accessible to us, as plentiful as any harvest. As a chaplain, I grew accustomed to knocking on doors in hopes of sharing a word of peace and healing. Sometimes I was welcomed with open arms. Sometimes I was turned down in the most awkward and depressing of ways. No matter how earnestly I studied my chart notes before I went to visit patients in the hospital, I knew what, I, I never knew what to expect on the other side of that door, except that it would never be what I had imagined. So keep knocking on those doors, dear ones. Like the many apostles sent out in pairs, we do this work bound together. And God's peace, abundant, available, moving in and through us and outward from us and back to us, goes with you. So may you rejoice today and always in the work of the Holy Spirit and your true freedom in Christ. Amen.